0: Friends, God's word that we'll take a look at today is from John chapter 1. Uh, We'll look at those verses together. Let's pray as we hear God's word. Thank you, God, for letting us come together today. And we pray that as we hear that word, we might hear it clearly. Uh, Let us stay awake and alert to it and keep me, your servant, from standing in the way of people hearing that word. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you come fix this printer for me? Watch. It'll probably behave for you now. And I walk up to it, and I stare at it real hard, and I give it a little kick, and I go tap, tap, and out comes the paper. What? You're like a genius. You're like a tech whiz. How could you do this? It always does that for you. Th- that's what people say all, all the time, right, when, when I, I uh, get asked to come and fix some. Tech problem, you know, it's you've got the magic touch, right? You can just look at it, and I am—I am by far not a, a tech whiz or a genius or anything like that. Uh, who are you, though? People say, right? Where—where where did you come from? You're like this god. Oh, you can fix all these machines, and they just obey your command. Who are you? It's—it's it's one of the things that we can't help but wonder when we see people do things. We—we right? we learn something about who they are in their person, their identity, right Their their, their very essence of their being, uh, and for most of us, who you are—that sense that you have of an identity, right, of a personness that you are, a person who you are—that comes from your family or your clan. That's the traditional perspective, and that's still plenty much part of the way we define ourselves. Uh, you know, I have a person in my family who's a somewhat important person in our synod; they have a a prominent position, and. I can tell that people's perception of who I am changes when I tell them who my relative is. I say, I'm related to so-and-so, he's my uncle. And they say, whoa, right? They have a different perspective on who I am. Now, that's not the way that we most of the time tell who a person is, make a sense of their identity. We usually, we tell based on their work. That's the common way in the West that we figure out who people are. And you can see that every time, you know, I fix a computer. Whoa, who are you? You're like a tech genius or something. Not true at all, right? But that's the sense that we get. And increasingly, the, the way that culture has shifted, you know, traditionally it was family and clan. The modern perspective was that we get our sense of identity from our work. Uh, the, the postmodern, the, the more recent way most of the, us get our sense of identity is from what we feel on the inside. You know, who we are deep down inside of ourselves. And so we're taught to be introspective, to look deep in and say, who am I way down in? Uh, This is why Frozen is such a big hit. If you want to know how your grandkids are thinking, you watch Frozen and you listen to Let it go, let it go. And you realize their biggest urge in life is to see who they are on the inside and to let that out into the world. That's what they really want to know. And and then, uh, as if that wasn't enough, we've got Adina Mendel, right, following that up and saying, we need to go into the unknown. So you need to tell us, not just I need to let it go out, but you even need to foray out. You need to forge out into the unknown and let who you are on the inside come out. That's how we know who we are. That's because... Who we are is such an important question in life, Are you a liar? Are you a cheat? Are you the most honest person ever? Are you a bank robber? Are you a lawyer? Are you an architect, right? Are you a Christian? Are you a sinner? Are you a saint? Are you perfect? Are you a genius? Are you a fool? Who are you? Well, this is one of the most important questions ever, probably not as important of a question as what are you doing with your life, what's your, what's your purpose in life, probably not quite as question, important a question as, as where are you coming from and where you're going, but who you are, it matters, we care about this a lot. And Jesus today, you know, through John, he says to you and I, I can give you a sense of Identity. I can give you a sense of being a person. I'll let you know who you are. I can give you an answer for that question, and I can give you a real confidence in answering that question. This is John the Baptist, he shows us. John the Baptist, this great forerunner of Jesus, Jesus says, this guy will give you a sense of of identity. You'll know who you are better. So what we have is John the Baptist and he makes this very notable answer to the question, who are you? What's happened is he has started this great movement. Remember, Israelites did not get baptized, but here they are by the hundreds pouring out to John the Baptist to get baptized. People say, who are you? Why are all these crazy people coming out to get baptized by you? And John very simply says, I am not the Messiah, Elijah, or the prophet. I am a voice. Now, commentators, if you read this section uh, in, in a commentary, they will all point out two notable things about John's statement. You know, very clear, and John has both a negative and a positive statement. And right? He's got both a negative and a positive. That's what the, the commentators will point out for us. Right? The negative statements. He is not the Messiah, Elijah, or the prophet. He is not those figures. Now, we've got to try to grasp this a little bit here. Maybe those think seem like uh, the most random people to you. They're not, I promise you, they're not. These are three of the most notable figures in Israelite history, and they were each prophesied to come again. You have to imagine the appeal this had to John. You have to, you know, the, the sense of it, right? So imagine that, that the President of the United States, no matter what you think about him, the Speaker of the House, no matter what you think about that person, and the President of our Synod and the Archbishop of New York came to you and said, Who are you? Are you Martin Luther King Jr.? Are you Abraham Lincoln? Are you the great Jonathan Edwards? Wouldn't you say, Whoa, me? I'm counted with those guys? I feel pretty special. John was asked if he was one of the three most important people in all of Israelite history. What a big head, huh? And then there comes the positive statement. He says, no, I am only a voice. I am a voice. That's who I am. Just a voice. What's a voice? What's a voice? I mean what is a voice anyway right but he says i am a, a voice the people who say to him who who are you who do you think you are you're out here you're baptizing all of these people you must have this huge ego you must have this huge sense of person to think that you could come and just start baptizing people i mean what kind of an identity who do you think you are to be doing this and he says i i'm a voice i am only a voice i am here to enlarge I'm here to expand. I'm here to make great. I'm here to engage, to, to enlarge in this other person. John, John does not get a sense of identity from his clan. Right? He doesn't say, well, I am the son of Zechariah, the great priest. Uh, John does not get a sense of his, who he is from his work. He doesn't say, well, you know, I'm the great baptizer. Look, look at all the people who want to be baptized by me. John doesn't get a sense of of who he is by what he feels on the inside. He doesn't say, oh, you know, I am a fire burning. I'm coming for you. John sees the one who stands among them. John sees the one whose sandals he can't untie. John sees something there, right? Now, I've seen the Sistine Chapel. Maybe you've seen, have you seen the Sistine Chapel, any of you? It's a magnificent sight. It's one of the few sites in the world that I've seen where I feel small and unworthy. Like, it really made me just feel like a bum of a person, like totally worthless, right? Because you're like, whoa, a human being can do this? It was so magnificent. And and then there are other sites that fill me. With, with a pride, with an ego. I mean, they, they fill my head. They puff me up. They make me feel probably better about myself than I actually should. Like sometimes looking at my clan when we're at a wedding and we go to a wedding and I've got the whole clan there in front of me and I'm preaching to the, the, my sisters or my cousins or whoever is getting married and I look out at them and I say, yeah, that's our clan. Look at us. We're pretty good. Man, aren't we impressive? All of these productive, producing, happy people, members of society, doing so much for the world—I right? get that sense of pride. I get puffed up about it. Maybe you do too, from your clan, uh, you know. And, and sometimes then I I look at uh, I get a sense of, of pride. I get that puffed up a little bit from my my work. I've got a couple of papers that I look back in my life. A paper that I wrote, you know, in uh, on the Gospel of Mark, and I've got this other paper. I'm like, yeah, I did that. I'm a pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well in life, right? I get puffed up about that a little bit. And maybe you'll say to me, Look, Pastor, you can look at those things for a few moments and, and feel proud of good work. And I'll say, I, Well, yeah, maybe. Are you sure I can? Are, are you sure I shouldn't say, like John, I am unworthy? I am a, I'm just a voice. I'm only a voice. I'm here to enlarge, to expand, to magnify somebody else. John is is confident without a doubt that he is a voice. He's got something to say. He's not weak. He's not afraid. He's not running away from these people. He's not a chicken. But he's, he's not arrogant. He's not audacious. He's not flamboyant. He's just a voice. John sees something. He sees a man who although he is not worthy to untie his shoes. That man will stoop down to untie John's shoes. He he sees the Jesus, who on the night that he is betrayed, will get down on the floor and will untie his disciples' sandals. He'll wash their feet. They'll protest. You you can't do this, Jesus. You just can't. And, And he'll say to them, I want you to be part of me. I want to wash you because I want you to have what I have. I want you to be part of me. I want you to be worthy. See, John knows to say, I'm unworthy, because he knows as soon as he says, I'm unworthy, then Jesus says to him, you are worthy. You are worthy more than you ever thought, not because you've done so much, but because I have said you are worthy. That is a clarity of identity. John has a clear sense that if he says, I'm unworthy, I'm far worse than I ever knew, I didn't know how bad off I was, I didn't know what a mess I was, then I will get a voice from Jesus that says, I want you. I want you to be part of me. I am the glorious Son of God. I'm greater than everything else, and yet I want you to have everything that I have. Wow, right? What an identity John gets to have. To be this voice. And do you want one of the greatest Christmas gifts this year? Then learn to say, I'm a voice. I'm a voice. I I am not less than a voice, and I'm not more than a voice. I'm a voice to make great, to expand, to enlarge the glorious Son of God. I don't think there's anything. Well, let me put it this way: I think there's a lot of good things with the encouragement that we have to look inside us and to see who we are. That's a lot better than um, pigeonholing people because of their family or because their, of their work. I mean, you're you're so much more than just your work. How can we? Is that really how we're going to figure out who we are? I think there's a lot of benefits in saying, look inside us. But it still misses, misses way too much. It still misses way too much. And, and you see it in something like this kind of an experience. Imagine that you're this man named Chad. And Chad has the job of visiting a woman every day who is blind and, not every day, every now and then, who is blind and forgetful. And she's blind, so she can't tell who it is when he walks in, right? and, and she's forgetful, so she can't remember that he was there just the other time. Right? So he walks in and he says, Hello, I'm Chad. Hi, how are you? And, and she says, Who? Who are you? And he says, I'm Chad. And she says, Who? Who are you? I'm Chad. And then he would proceed to tell her law and gospel. He would tell her that she was, you know, uh, like that we are all a lost and condemned sinners and And that we are then also saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's only by his blood that we have been set free from this condemnation. And that by his resurrection, he he welcomes us to live in this resurrected life. He's a a glorious thing that he got to do, right? And and so he would tell her all of those things. And and she, she kind of forgot things. And so she could every time hear it like it was totally new. He said she would laugh. She, she would break out laughing hearing this message that God had died for her sins, that God in Jesus had died for her sins, as if it was something she had never heard before. And she was overwhelmed with love to know that God would do so much for her in Jesus. And you think, wouldn't you love to have that kind of an impact on your friends and your family every time you sat down for lunch or dinner with them, uh, and, or you went out into your neighborhood to talk with your neighbors, or you visited the, uh, you went to your work. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? But here's the thing that she didn't know. What she didn't know is that Chad, uh, despite the fact that he was a pastor, he was on his way to sex and drugs and a whole lot of other things that ruined his life. And for quite a long time, uh, he forgot who he was. It was the remembrance, the memory he had of of this woman saying to him, Who? Who are you? Who are you? That made him say, You know, I am unworthy. I'm a man filled with regrets and failures. But Jesus doesn't regret dying for my sins. And Jesus doesn't consider his work for me a failure. Uh, and, And I, well, he put it this way, he said, He said, I am defined, no matter what job I have, I am defined not by what I do, but what God has done for me in His Son. Who are you? That remembrance, that memory of that woman, that drove him to be a truck driver, to be, once again, a, a writer and a speaker and a father and a citizen and a person who lived every day for the good of the people around him. That was who he was. And that's the vitality that a clarity of identity can give you and me. When you know who you are, you have a vitality in your identity. Let's enjoy that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, uh, we tend to rely on this who answer of, of who we are. Too much on our friends, our family, uh, maybe our work. And, and increasingly, we are asked to just see deep down inside. But, um, you know, who we are is we're un, unworthy, and we confess that. We repent of our own attempts to offer our own works, our actions, uh, as a sense of our own worthiness, right? To prove our, our worth and our value to others. We, we plead for not only for your mercy, Lord Jesus, but we, we cling to your worthiness, to your washing of us so that we can have a part of you. Make us worthy because of your life and death on our behalf. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With that sense of of worthiness, let's be that voice.